He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of a body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you to to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel this is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which i paul have become a servant amen good morning everybody have you got the wedding photo Can you put it up? Yeah, there you go. That was us um, last Sunday morning with our youngest daughter. All our kids are married now and I had the the joy and the privilege of leading Ruth up the aisle. It was a a garden wedding and then when we got to the front, she stayed there with Andy and I kind of walked ahead and turned around and, and we had the wedding and it was really beautiful and really lovely. Uh, it was a great day, and um, we've got more family excitement as well because in a couple of weeks, our eldest daughter's due to give birth for the first time, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, and I hope you had a good summer too. I know summer's very different for people at different life stages and with different things to do, and for some people it's a break season, and for some people it really isn't. Um, but there you go. This term, we are looking at what it means to be the body of Christ. That amazing image that Paul uses of the church as the body, the neck, arms, torso, legs, everything of Christ. And if you took a roving mic out, and people do this sometimes for fun, uh, onto the streets... And you talk to people about church, what's church like, you know, do you know what church is, is there any church near you? The primary reference you would get as to what they understood you were talking about would be a building. And they would say things, oh yeah, there's a church like us down the road, it's quite old or it's quite new or it's this or it's that. And the primary reference you would get would be a building. Um, And if you talked a bit more... uh, you would get uh, also an awareness of the church as an institution or organisation. And that would be a mixed bag. There would be the suspicion that all institutions very naturally gather these days. Um, You know, there'd be a wariness because of some of the scandals. Um, There would be a sense that church has declined, isn't doing very well. On the other hand, if you started talking about things like volunteers and projects like food bank, you you would probably get a much more positive response. So, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. If you ask Christians, 
you would actually get a very similar set of responses straight off the cuff. And that's because over the last 15 centuries or so, God's people have identified themselves so strongly with their buildings and their denominations. But hopefully, if you pressed a little bit more and you got below the surface a bit, and especially in the more kind of Bible-focused parts of the church, there would also be responses that recognises that actually church is the people. It's not the organisation, it's, it's not the building, church is the people. And, and the Bible has much to say about Jesus and his people, and very little to say about buildings and organisations. And I'm not saying this to be negative at all uh, about buildings or organisations. Both are good, but from the Bible's perspective, they are very much secondary things. I like to go backpacking, and I like to go backpacking in remote places, you know, far from anywhere, the kind of wild camping out in the wilderness, a bit hard to do in England, There are some places like Dartmoor where you can still do it, a bit easier in Scotland, much easier in some of the kind of wilder places of the earth. And if you are going to go backpacking, you need a good backpack, a rucksack. And it needs to fit your back really well. And it needs to fit your shoulders really well. And then it, it needs a good waist strap so that you can carry the majority of the weight on your hips, much kind of lower down, lower down your centre of gravity. And um, it needs to be reasonably durable. It needs to be strong. And it needs not to be too heavy. When I first started doing this, um, the camping shops got a bit enthusiastic about their rucksacks, and they were over-engineered. And the thing was really heavy, even when it was empty, because it had this and that and the other all over it. And uh, now it's kind of gone the other uh, end and they're much much more lightweight which is what you want because the rucksack is to carry your stuff your tent and your sleeping bag and mat and your food and your stove and um, a little bit of spare clothing Um, when we go packing Anne and I tend to have a discussion about what is really needed and you know I I know as as all um, good backpackers know that if it's a gadget you almost certainly need it but if it's even more clothes, you almost certainly don't. So, you know, there's, there's a discussion about what needs to go into the backpack. And it's not impossible to go backpacking without a rucksack. But you make life very difficult for yourself if you try and do it. And you go a lot slower. But the backpack is for the things that are inside it. What is being carried is not there to validate the backpack. The backpack is precious, it's important, it's worth looking after, but it serves the purpose of the journey. The journey is not being made for the sake of the backpack. The church is the people of God. The organisation and the building are the backpack. The backpack is worth looking after. It does matter. But it's not the purpose. The people of God, we, we, we're the kind of contents. 
of the backpack. And the backpack is only there to serve us and to serve Jesus. And that's why when, um, when we sort of talk about church, we try to avoid describing the buildings, for example, as the church. So when you come in here, it says conference centre, not church. And that's deliberate. Um, because language kind of creates culture and forms our ways of thinking. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship. The words you speak make a difference to how you think, which is why expressing thanksgiving and praise and worship is so important. Because the, the way you speak forms culture, affects the way you think. So I try not to describe the buildings or the organisation as church. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I try not to be annoying about it, If someone says, how do you get to your church? I don't say, you can't get to our church. The church is the people, not the building. Because that's just annoying. I just give them directions because that's what they're asking for. But, But I try to use words that reinforce to me that the church is the people. That you are the precious bit. That you are the important bit. Back to Paul. Road to Damascus. Saul, breathing fire, going there to persecute the church, to haul them off into prison, administer beatings and fines and confiscations and maybe worse. And there's a blinding light from heaven and he falls flat on his face and there is a voice that speaks to him and it's the voice of Jesus can anybody remember what the voice says? Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Not why are you persecuting the people I care about. Why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus regards any attack on his people as damage to him, as pain to him, as hurt to him. It actually hurts him if someone attacks the church. And, and I don't know, this is a guess, but it was maybe that why do you persecute me that years later when he began to write the epistles gave Paul the image of the church as a body with Jesus as the head. A bit like the vine and the branches, except that the image of the body emphasises our differences as well as our belonging. The Bible sees church, us the people, as being about relationships. First with Jesus and then with each other. We're his body and he loves us as you love your own body. He's absolutely and passionately committed to our well-being. When we're injured or diseased, it really, really matters to Jesus. You know how bad pain in your body changes your priorities. You know, you might have thought that tidying the kitchen or booking your summer holiday was important, but if you have really, really bad toothache, all of a sudden only one thing is important, and that is getting rid of it 
as, as fast as you can. Where his body is injured or diseased, Jesus really, really cares. And this body, it will deteriorate and die. But the body I am part of that Jesus is head of, that will never die. It's great, isn't it? It's a plastic cup. (laughs) One of the best. Jesus is the head of the body. And he loves us. And he desires our well-being and our functioning and our health and our growth and our development more than any of us in this room can possibly imagine. And he desires us to love and be united to each other. Body parts are very, very different. They're, you know, they're, they are, they're very different. Some are very robust and some are very vulnerable. Some are very presentable and some are not presentable at all. Even where they are, similar, you know, they're different. Your little finger usually has less strength than your forefinger by quite a long way. It's also probably, unless you're a musician, a bit less flexible. But it doesn't compete. It's not interested in comparing itself. Your hand is not interested in the comparisons between the forefinger and the little finger. The body is not interested in comparisons or competition or jealousy. It's just stupid. If your little finger doesn't hurt, the whole body benefits from that. If your little finger does hurt, your body does not think, oh, well, it's not as important as the forefinger. The body is a unity with different capacity and different strength and different vulnerabilities. And not all of the body is nice. It's a very realistic image. Not all of the body is nice. Some of the body, we're really happy to show to other people. And other bits of the body, we really, really are not happy to show to other people. But the body is a unity. And Jesus loves every single bit of it. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away and vanish like smoke. But God is eternal. And Jesus is eternal. And because he is eternal, his body is eternal. What is the right response to Jesus as the head of the body? What is the right response to him? As we're beginning to kind of work through this image and try and apply it better in our life together, what is the starting point? Well, it's really to honour and value the head. Now, the head of a body is not very democratic. Now, if you decide to walk to the fridge in your head and take a snack out and eat it, you do not have a vote among your body members, you know, with a stomach saying, yeah, go for it, go for it. You know, and the feet saying, oh, I just can't be bothered. Can we just stay here? 
the body does what the head wants it to do. And the head is not very democratic. Because the head is king of the universe. Everything came into being through the head and for the head. The head is the beginning and the end. The head is the reason why everything comes into existence, why there is anything at all. The head loves the body, but it's his body. And every agenda, every ambition, every aspiration, every value that we have is secondary to that. Comes below that, submits to that, submits to Jesus as the head. And that is very uncomfortable. If you are at all honest, that is very uncomfortable. Human beings are pride, proudful, proud, proud, and independent anyway. But in our culture, we are taught to think that we are the center of the universe. You can be anything you want to be, you can do anything you want to do. You know, your identity, you just choose it. That's who you are. But not if you belong to Jesus. Because if you belong to Jesus, he's the head. He gives you your identity. He tells you who you are. He called you into being. And he loves to set you free to flourish, but he's still the head. And that's very uncomfortable. And we kick against it all the time, every day, in many ways. I love the image of the body. What our bodies do, what they speak out, how they live, our rhythms, our patterns, make a really, really big difference. Just what you build into your day every day makes a really big difference to whether you actually live as if Jesus is your head or whether you actually live as if he isn't. And uh, if, if you're willing, I'd like us to do something together now that kind of just expresses that we all know and we are all committed that Jesus is the head and we aren't and that everything else comes underneath that. And what I'm going to ask you to do if you're physically able is just to kneel on the floor, just to spend a few minutes kneeling on the floor because that says with our bodies that, that we want to surrender to Jesus as the head. And, and as we do that, I'm going to ask the, the worship band to come out and, and just play over us some worship that exalts Jesus, the head of everything. Is that okay? You know, no one has to do this. This is if you want to.